There is no error with your audio outputs. Do not attempt to fix any sound issues. We are monitoring you with this device. We control your options and settings. We are transmitting through your internet connection, but our signal is actually entering your mind, sending electrical impulses into the very tissues of your brain. Try to stay calm. We've taken over your senses for the duration of this broadcast. You are helpless to resist. We have taken control for your own sake. There are things you must know. This is Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. And welcome to another thrilling podcast, the Paranoia Podcast, that is. I am Olaf Phillips. Ron. And I'm Ron Patton. You know, Ron, you got to work on the delay. There's like a delay there. Like every time I have to cut it out and it's oh, that much of a delay. No, well, see, it's normally, Ron. Hey, come on now, Olaf. Normally you go, I'm Olaf Phillips, the publisher of Paranoia. I don't think you even said publisher this time. No, I didn't. I've repeated so. that, what, 37 times. I think they got the message. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay, bad. well, I'm, I'm Olaf Phillips. I'm the publisher owner and a writer for paranoia magazine ron and i'm ron Patton, executive editor of paranoia magazine and occasional writer okay so uh ron are you almost done editing i'm almost done editing yes yay we can have a magazine that'll, that'll be, great. be nice that'll be really that'll nice. Be nice looking forward to it i think people are going to be blown yeah. away by the cover I think so too. The other, the other thing that I want to mention is we actually were sorry about the delay in getting this out. Um, I was sick and then we actually recorded one last week, but it's basically useless. So we have to, we have to schedule a guy again and go through the whole podcast again because we had technical difficulty. Well, that so happens. Yeah. it does. All right. Well, I don't want to waste a lot of time. Let's get this to the gist. Let's get to the nitty-gritty. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So tonight I, we yeah. have we have on Ryan Gable, uh, who is a who has a radio show. He's written books. He's an interesting fellow. Ryan, why don't you tell the people who you are? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm very happy to be here on the very professional Paranoia podcast. <laughs> Only the best. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. On the Fringe FM, like you. On the Fringe yeah. FM, it's like my show, The Secret Teachings. Uh, I've been doing radio for about a decade, and uh, I'd say professionally myself for about five or six years. And I am a, I am an author of multiple books, but just recently I think I published three that I would recommend to people, and that is uh, material on the occult, magic, symbolism, history, and subject matter of that type. And what I do specifically, like we're going to talk about tonight, I believe, is I right. analyze uh, current events and I look at them through the lens of history and I look at them through the lens of occultism, uh, symbolism and things like that to try to break them down and to obtain a better understanding beyond the mundane. So we're going to do that tonight, I think. And that's what I do on my show, The Secret Teachers. That's why you're here. Yep, airs five nights <laughs> a week on the fringe. That's why I'm here. All right. 
So for so to to give our illustrious audience a little background. So for the last two years, every time there's been a mass shooting, um, this this episodes about mass shootings, the occult, and other nameless things. For the last two years, every time there's a mass shooting, I try to do the numbers because there there seems to be some sort of a pattern. And I look at the dates and I look at the numbers and there are patterns to these. Now, when I went to bed last night, and no, I didn't see a UFO run. When I went to bed last night, I I knew about the one in Texas, in El Paso. And again, it seemed very curious to me, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. When I woke up this morning, I heard about the second one. And it really struck me because it happened 13 hours after the first one. And for those of you who are not up to speed on, on a, a cultish kind of stuff, 13 is a significant number. Now, when I looked last night, out of curiosity, I looked at the Wikipedia, the, the source of all knowledge in the universe, I, I know. But they have a list of mass shootings. And it's pretty much anything that's over like two people. And predominantly, the numbers the numbers of people involved in the shootings are five, seven, nine, thirteen, something like that. When I took the the total number of casualties, or no, the total number of deaths last night before El Paso or before the thing in Ohio, when I took the the total number and I reduced it down, which is what you're supposed to do in in numerology, it worked out to one, two, three, which I thought was very curious. And if you add them up, one, two, three, it makes six, which is a three because it's six divided by two, unless I got that wrong. And three is a very significant occult number. Mm-hmm. So this morning <clears throat> I called up Ron, you know, we're very professional here. So we wait until the absolute last minute to figure out what we want to talk about. I called Ron. I called Ron last night. Actually, I called Ron yeah. last night. Yeah, last night you're all like freaked yeah. out. You're going, man. Yeah, he's mad. Because shooting. I'm, I'm re- and this, this is talking to me, right? And I'm like, Ron, we got to figure this stuff out. I said, Ron, go find the best person we know who can do this, who can explain this, and explain what the numbers mean because the numbers are significant. Mm-hmm. And Ron said. It took him about two seconds. He's like, we got to talk to Ryan. So this morning, when I found out it happened again, I called Ron again. And I said, Ron, we really got to do this today. So we're not, we're not well known for being on the ball with current events. A couple of times we have been, but for the most part, we just talk about whatever we feel like. But in this case, I thought it was significant to actually look at these, especially because the two shootings were 13 hours apart which is very strange. These are not numbers that are naturally occurring. And to have them almost precisely 13 hours apart, there's something wrong. Well, there's something wrong in general when somebody goes nuts and and hurts a lot of people, but there's something wrong with the big picture here because you don't do that 13 hours apart without thinking about it. So Ryan, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I said, I'm glad to be here and Without even talking to you, Olav, or 
you, Ron, mm -hmm. for years, I've done this myself. I've analyzed these kinds of events, these mass shootings. Uh, I've, I've written about them in one of my books, which is not in publication anymore. But I've done numerous shows where I've looked at everything from Columbine to Aurora uh, to right. some of the more recent shootings. And I've picked out the same patterns that you have, Olav. Uh, and okay. I'll give you one example. If you look at the shooting at Columbine, April 20th of 1999, and in that case, you had 12 students that died and one teacher. So 12 and one is 13. Yeah, 21, 21 people injured. And then in Aurora, Colorado, and this is separated by, uh, by more than a decade, of course, you have uh, the shooting that took place on July 20th, and then you had, and I remember reading the articles about this. I have a huge file on this, too. The initial reports were that 12 people had died, and then they also reported on other news outlets, news channels, 13 people had died. So the number bounced around between 12 and 13. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that, again, as you said, that's a number that comes up over and over and over again. Uh, another quick example is the Oak Creek, Wisconsin shooting uh, with uh, the right. shooter uh, Michael Page or Wade Michael Page. And the date of that was 8-5-13, which would be 13-13 if you added the numbers together. So that just comes up over and over again, along with 3-7-23-32-33-12-13. Uh, it comes up again and again. So what's so? What is the significance of these numbers that keep showing up, like the five, the seven, the thirteen, the three? What what is the significance too. of those numbers? What was that, Ron? No, they're they're odd numbers as well. So it seems like that's yeah, kind of strange. Yeah, but they're occult. They're occult occultly significant, mm -hmm. if I remember correctly. Yeah, especially the numbers 3, 7, 13, 33. Uh, and and right. a lot of the times it, it bounces around. There is a there is a, a, a 32 or a 12. And I've noticed that when it's 12 or 32, it's often a report that 12 people had died or 13 people had died or 32 had died or 33 had died. And there are numerous reports where there's a difference in reporting. If, like, they can't count the bodies or... There's just the news agency is rushing quickly to publish the numbers. You know, I've thought about right. this for years. I, I really don't have a conclusive answer. I thought that perhaps this is kind of like the uh, the coding in the matrix, if you will. We're becoming aware of how things operate with mind control and other things like that. And so we can start to see the numbers and read the code. Uh, like in uh, right. Bands, the Bandersnatch episode of Black Mirror, he said every, everything is numbers, everything is code. If you pay attention, you can hear them, you can see them. Uh, or maybe this is done intentionally, and I've swayed away from that. I don't, I don't think it's done intentionally. There are way too many mentions of numbers like that. Even the way that news outlets break down the number of people who died, got shot, where they got shot, how they got shot. It's like, well, 12 people went to this hospital, and three people went to that hospital, and this guy was at the festival after driving exactly 13 minutes from his house. Like, they break it down like <laughs> It's kind of weird. Right. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? You know, yeah. um, for, for a long time, I, I've believed that the the dates are significant. That they're that they they are the dates and the locations are significant, mm -hmm. and that they are okay. So I I have not written about it, but. 
there's a fairly interesting um, set of events where you have when we had the fires. You had oh, these the California fires. fires. Yeah, the California fires. We had these fires, and then at the end of the fires, the thing in Vegas happened. Mm-hmm. And if you add up the the people that that died in the fires, you, you again see these numbers, right? And if you look at the number of people that that were shot and sh- killed and wounded in Vegas, you again see these numbers, right? But if you look at the the timing between the fires and the and the the uh, the shooting, it's like the fires were pretty much one contiguous event. It just didn't stop, right? And then like 13 days later, you have the Vegas thing, and then there was an occult holiday that was happening in that window. So I believe for a long time that they actually line up to to some sort of occult event that's taking place. Yeah, a number of of historical dates. We've talked about this on my show, The Secret Teachings, and and uh, I, I believe Clyde has talked about this on his show as well many times on Ground Zero. Uh, a lot of uh, significant historical dates, everything from the assassination of Abraham Lincoln to the Virginia Tech shooting, right. uh, all happened within a time frame of mid-April to May 1st. And, and within that time frame of two weeks, you have a three-day festival known as Beltane or Walpurgis. And some people... Right celebrated as the fire festival uh human sacrifice is is often involved historically with some some groups of people and so you always have a a very significant historic date again whether it's the the sinking of the lusitania the virginia tech shooting columbine took place within that time frame uh the death of adolf hitler the establishment of the church of satan all these different events very historical events and they usually deal with the sacrifice of, of children, Oklahoma City is another example. Kids died there, and usually dealing with fire. So it's like a fire sacrifice, kind of going back to the fire that you mentioned. Although it's a different right. time period than that, than that particular fire. Uh, these dates are very significant, and whether it's the, the, the nature and the fabric of, of time in the universe, if you will, or it's somebody or something tapping into that for ritualistic purposes, the fact is that these events do on a level that is far beyond coincidence, tend to take place on very significant dates at very significant times and very significant numbers come up far more than what would otherwise be a coincidence. Right. And then there's also the geographical aspect of it, too, where we've had certain um, very traumatic events occur on the uh, 33rd parallel. I know there's uh, numerous events throughout history like the Kennedy assassination and I believe Columbine as well. I've never heard that about, about Columbine. If it's the, uh, the 33rd parallel, something maybe to look into unless Olaf knows. Right. And then, uh, like Hiroshima or, uh, the bombings in Japan, the atomic bombs that went off. That's right. Parallel, uh, you know, and, uh, so, yeah, it, it seems like there's some possible relationship there in regard to synchronicity. It, I mean, it, it's just this morning when I woke up, I mean, I was already questioning questioning it when I went to bed. Mm-hmm. When I woke up this morning and I heard that it was 13 hours apart, it's right. like, 
you know, how, how, I mean, how much planning does it take to make it exactly 13 hours apart? I mean, give or take a few minutes or half an hour or whatever. Still, to make it 13 hours apart, I mean, that took some thinking on somebody's part. Or maybe there wasn't any necessarily any thought per se, but it was just sort of like, again, like what Ryan was pointing out, it was just sort of uh, an aspect of the matrix. It was something that was innately a part of what was supposed to happen. The the problem I have with the matrix part of it, though, is that it seems to be accelerating. That there, that if you look at it year over year, there are more and more and more that are happening mm-hmm. every year. Have you so, guys ever I mean, seen? I'm sorry. Go ahead. So what you're what you're saying it's it's accelerating the amount of mass shootings and uh, traumatic events. I think so. That's what it looks like. I mean, you if guys, you look at the you list. Ever, you ever seen that Knowing movie with Nicolas Cage where the events accelerate in terms of numerology? He has this list of numbers of when certain things are going to happen, major events, catastrophes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've seen it. It's it's yes. pretty – I mean, the, the acting is okay, but but the, the concept is very disturbing. Because at some level, you have to you have to when you watch that movie, if you've looked into this kind of stuff at all, that you start to see that. That I don't know if somebody's got a piece of paper somewhere and they're checking it off, but you know this this notion that that it is accelerating. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I looked and again, the Wikipedia, the source of all knowledge, I get it, but <laughs> it was like every day. Every day, there's some sort of you know problem where at least at least four or five people are involved. But granted, we live in a large country. There's 360 million people here, so the odds are that you know, and, and there are a variety of things, you know, that are in there. There there are gang shootings, and, and which plays to the Matrix concept, right? You know, there's gang shootings. There's there's domestic violence. There you know, vengeance. I got fired, so I'm going to you know I'm going to lay waste everybody in the office that that kind of thing is there but the ones where they're really high body counts this seems to be accelerating there seems to be more and more of them and and they are if you look at the distribution you know obviously they're going to be along the coast that's where the vast majority of the population is that's where pissed off people are going to be but you know it's there are groupings of them. It's not like they're just spread all over the West Coast. There's like big chunks of them in different places, mm-hmm. especially in California, here or LA or you know whatever. You don't, but you don't see this kind of stuff happening in in the middle middle of the country. They they don't have you know these kinds of large problem events take place you know in Nebraska or Iowa. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've always uh, I've thought, you know, the number, there are numerous reasons why numbers have certain meanings to different cultures throughout time. Uh, Twelve, right. of course, you have the 12 signs of the Zodiac. And then when the Zodiac restarts, uh, when we have the, the yearly cycle of 12 months, the number 13, the 13th month is the first month and we restart. So it's regeneration and rebirth. And you think maybe uh, regeneration and rebirth, the death, the cycle, 
uh, Jesus dying on the cross. So there's a, an element of sacrifice there in the number 12 and 13 uh, in one way, in other ways not. But if you take that concept and you apply it to these shootings and the dates and the numbers and the, the geographical locations, it is like a ritualistic sacrifice. And if you just looked at, like, let's say Columbine and mm -hmm. said, okay, you know, 12 students and one teacher, that's 13 people. That's, you know, one instance. And it's like, well, okay, well, the same thing happened in Colorado, 12 and 13. Those numbers were reported back and forth. And then you had the same thing at Fort Hood. You had 12 to 13 people killed, and then you had 32 people injured. And then you look at, and you just go down the list, you, Virginia Tech, 33 to 33, uh, 32 to 33 people died. Mm -hmm. The shooter was 23 right. years old. And it just, the list goes on and on. I mean, even, uh, even the shooting uh, in, in Tucson, Arizona, of Gabrielle Giffords, uh, Jared Lee Lawner, he's 23 years old, and he killed mm -hmm. six people and then injured 13 people. And he used a third. And this this is the weird thing. You start reading through these articles, guys, and, and they, they, they find ways that are totally seemingly random to throw the numbers in. They find anything like, well, he drove 33 minutes from the, his hotel. And uh, Jared Lee Lawner, I remember reading this, he used a 33-round magazine to kill those people. Mm -hmm. That was in the news. It's just, it's one after another. The Washington Naval Yard shooting, 13 mm -hmm. people died. It's the same mm -hmm. thing over and over again. Right. I remember mm -hmm. uh, years ago, uh, I read a book called Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare by uh, Michael A. Hoffman. And... He surmises, he purports that this is part of something known as a revelation of the method. Uh, can you elaborate on what that means and if this might be applicable? Yeah, for, for mass shootings or for uh, any other event that takes place uh, on this kind of almost ritualistic level, it's a form of uh, predictive programming, uh, an unveiling of... Uh, the method, if you will, by which to, uh, let's say, control and manipulate. Uh, it's the, the agenda, the plan by which certain groups and certain people operate. Uh, and I think that we see that within mass shootings. Uh, I think we even see that to a uh, degree with the types of uh, things we see with uh, the outbreak recently. I've been talking about this in The Secret Teachings uh, I know Clyde's been talking about it on Ground Zero as well, about how we have uh, the outbreak of different diseases like dingy fever and Ebola and West Nile and uh, Zika. And you have companies like uh, Oxitec that are developing and have for almost a decade now developed genetically engineered mosquitoes. And they've released them in places where they're supposed to get rid of these other mosquitoes that are spreading these diseases. Right. And yet it's actually leading to an outbreak of disease. And we're on the brink of even having a bubonic plague epidemic in the United States for numerous reasons. So it's a form of predictive programming. It's a form right. of manipulation and mind control and so many other things. Gotcha. Yeah, I think, I think they've actually had a bubonic plague down in L.A. Yeah, they've detected they it. Think in a couple yeah. of the rats and typhus as well. Yeah, they have a massive typhus outbreak. Mm. It's incredible but that you, just, you can find that today in the, United, in the United States. It's incredible that you can find that. It's an incredible thing that you can consistently see the numbers and the patterns that emerge in these types of events like uh, mass shootings, and they come up every single time. And you just wonder why 
why why are they finding ways as news agencies to work these numbers in? And then I, I've considered, well, maybe it's not that they're finding ways to do it. Maybe it's directed, like, find a way to work the number 32 in. I mean, it just seems like it's happening far too often for it to to be a coincidence. And perhaps that's part of the revelation of the method by, by showing this to people uh, in the reports, for whatever the reason might be. Well, and, and in, in some cases, you know, you, you look at these these events that take place and it's like, how how could you not know that it was about to happen? There's almost kind of like a, how do I put it? There's almost kind of like a passivity toward it. Like the thing in the thing that happened in Vegas, you know, they're, they're watching them truck these, you know, like huge amounts of stuff up to his room again and again and again. And, you know, nobody's worried about it. And then he, he starts firing and they can't, they can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. It's almost like there's, you know, there's always a delayed response. It's kind of like, um, I forget the guy's name, uh, but the guy in, in Norway, right. When he, when he went out on that Island and he started shooting everybody. Yeah. Brevik. Brevik, Anders Brevik. When Brevik started shooting everybody, they sent, who was it? Sweden. I forget, but they, they sent the SWAT team in a truck to go stop him. And the truck got caught in the, the truck got caught in traffic. And right. it's like, guys, you okay. know, he's actively shooting people. You don't own a helicopter. Yeah. You know, so you see these moments where it's like they should be able to respond faster, but they don't. Mm-hmm. It's like it doesn't dawn on them that they could put five guys in a helicopter and go deal with the problem. They've got to leave them all in a SWAT van stuck in, you know, stuck in, uh, in traffic. So it's almost like some of these events – you know, they, they let it happen. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and again, you know, I, I would imagine that if you're, nobody in their right mind is going to do something like this. I think we can all agree that, that nobody, nobody who's a, a, a <clears throat> normally thinking adult human being is going to want to go and hurt a lot of people, whatever your reasoning is, right? There has to be something broken in your brain somewhere whether it's conditioning or you're born that way or whatever, nobody's going to go out and do something like this, you know, who's a, a well-adjusted human being. But no, at, I... at the same time, at the same time, I would imagine that when you're in the middle, like this, this guy who, who shows up, I want to say it was the one in El Paso, you know, he shows up, he's wearing body armor and, and he's got earmuffs on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you, when you're when you walk into that situation and you start firing, I can't I just I cannot possibly believe that he's counting. But for some reason, it always ends up that the numbers, you know, it's five, it's seven, it's 13, it's 33. I mean, you know, it's 23 that there's always these numbers that are involved. That's why there has to be something more to it. Right. I just I thought of something uh pertaining to Vegas. I've, I've actually been to Mandalay Bay twice since that shooting. Uh, it's um, in, in, a, in a dark, semi-humorous way. There's actually a sign underneath of the Luxor Hotel going into Mandalay Bay that says no guns, uh, apparently. 
he, he yeah, didn't. Irony, right? Yeah, he didn't read that sign. But mm-hmm. I remember seeing the picture because they didn't release any of the videos or pictures for a while. And then they released this weird like New York Times. It almost looked like a deep fake video of Paddock at the uh, casino and the bar and going up to his room. Uh, and I remember because it was on the 32nd floor and there was a ta- like a, a picture of him, which looked, which looked like a tattoo or something on his neck of, of the number 32. And it's mm-hmm. I don't know why I've made this connection. It seems totally random, but there's a song by Taylor Swift called Look What You Made Me Do. And it's about her multiple personalities and how she's controlled by handlers in the music industry. So there's an element of the revelation of the method there, mind control and things of that nature. And there's a scene where she's she's climbing up this pile of, of basically bodies of her other personalities. And like I said, just like Jesus being crucified, at the very top is a, is a Taylor Swift crucified on a cross. So you have the number of, of death, re- resurrection there with the number 13. And she actually has, they do a close-up, and on her hand is tattooed the number 13. And it's written really similar, like the same font, the same textual design as the 32 that's written on Paddock's neck or whatever that was in the, in the image mm-hmm. of him. So you see that kind of a thing, too, where there's like a visual representation of the number in music and movies and television. And I think that's a very similar method by which to reveal to the public that there's a significant meaning here. Whatever that might be, you know, that might be up left to the discernment of the viewer. But we see that in the mass shootings as much as we see that in Hollywood movies or music videos. Right. Now, what what about the... Um like the synchronicity and even the uh, etymology of words and word association. For mm-hmm. instance, the uh, El Paso shooter uh, shot up the Cielo Vista Mall and uh, the Manson murders, which occurred about 50 years ago, were on Cielo Drive. So it's it right. seems like you also see uh, certain types of word associations or there's certain meanings to certain words and then there are people's names their last names for instance i know that ilana freeland has broken that down for uh extremely traumatic events that have occurred you know throughout the past 60 70 years so what are your thoughts about that you know what when you, when you just said that i didn't i didn't think about that connection uh mm-hmm. with the name but that's a really really great uh not only a great example but it's a great uh, piece of information, if you were to take that and you were to look at, for example, the uh, the August 5th, as a matter of fact, the August 5th, that's today's date, the August mm-hmm. 5th uh, shooting in 2013 of, uh, uh, I believe it was the Sikh Temple in Oak Creek, Wisconsin, Wade Michael Page killed, again, the number varies, six to seven people. That was 8-5-13-13-13 for the date. Right. And uh, that took place around the uh, the same time as the um, uh, Aurora, Colorado shooting. That was in July, July 20th of, of 2012. It was a year later, around the same time. And uh, there, there are numerous connections to this. It would take a whole show to go into. But right. the, the Oak Creek, Wisconsin shooting, Wade Michael Page lived on Holmes Avenue. And they right. report that he specifically had resided in Colorado prior to that. Uh, and so there's that strange connection that also links to the Olympics at the time, because mm-hmm. the woman that carried the torch for the opening ceremony 
her name was Holmes. So you had right. like a ritualistic bloodbath to initiate the initiation to the Olympics. And there's a connection, Holmes, Holmes, Holmes. So I've, right. I've noticed that in other events too, Ron. Yeah. It's just, you know, when, when you, when you look at that, I mean, you just, it's, I mean, it's just, it's, you can't, you can't do that in nature. It, it, it defies randomness. Right. Well, you have to look at this, the stati statistical probability, right? And so I so think it's off it, the chart. Right. So it goes really beyond the uh, probability ratio. So there must be something to it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, well, and, and you were talking about, you know, eight, five. Well, he did it. What it like one in the morning or something. Well, that's eight, five. Yeah. You know, it, 13 hours apart. I mean, how do you plan that? Mm -hmm. without planning it you know yeah i my, my my brain was a little bit foggy on that number i think the uh just to clarify the wisconsin shooting was in was in 2012 so you had aurora and then you had oak creek right after that and then we had the initiation or the opening ceremony of the olympics directly after that so it was it was in 2012 that happened uh but it was still eight five so that's 13 and you still had the six to seven people uh, I also remember this. There was another shooting that happened at that same temple. And just like Olaf saying, try to plan this, the other shooting that, that occurred. And I just remember reading this. I have the I have a huge stack of articles where they mentioned uh, this about the shooting. Another shooting had taken place at the same temple seven years to the date where seven wow. additional people were killed. Mm -hmm. There you That's, go. Same temple. Try planning that. Seven years, seven people. That is just unbelievable, guys. Yeah. It, it's, it's insane. I mean, I mean, I don't, I'm at a loss for words. I mean, you can't, it, it defies probably, you know, randomness. I mean, it, mm -hmm. there, there has to be a pattern to it. I mean, the numbers, the numbers are significant and they don't lie. I mean, these numbers, each one of these numbers that we're talking about, 5, 7, 13, 33, mm -hmm. they have significant meaning. And, right. and as, as, you know, as a friend of mine pointed out, well, you know, thir 13 isn't necessarily a bad number, 7 isn't necessarily a bad number. And my response to that was, this is true. There are places mm -hmm. in the world where 13 is a lucky number. But at the same time, it's not about what 13 means to me. It's about mm -hmm. what 13 means to them. Yes. You know, that when you, when you look at these things in context, it's not about seven's my lucky number, so how could it be bad? Well, because in, in your worldview, seven is an okay number, but there are people, an organized group of people out there where seven has a, a more negative context because they, they dwell in a world that is a more negative world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these numbers are significant. What you have to figure out is what these numbers mean to them, not what they mean to you. Yeah, that's what I think that's, point. yeah. It's the same thing with, uh, like, births. You know, it, it might be something where the average person doesn't attempt to conceive a child on a certain day at a certain time <laughs> in a certain uh, contextual uh, ritual or alignment of the stars, but 
let's say the the royal family, for example, the German British family, Saxe Coburg mm-hmm. Gothic Windsors, they do do that. In fact, Prince William was born on June twenty first, which is the summer solstice, and uh, his birth was induced so that he could be born on that date. And they made up some excuse about some polo game Prince Charles was involved in, but these kinds of people and these positions of power that really transcend politics and government, these people do do these types of things on certain dates, certain times, because to them, it has significant meaning. And in the same way that you have a lot of uh, investors on Wall Street that consult astrologers, because to the average person, that might sound crazy, or uh, that might sound way too paranormal or too strange. But To these people, they consult them because they believe that it does have power, and that's all magic is. Magic is uh, the exercising of one's will and intention, and perhaps that does bring about, uh, in that case, financial gains, or in this case, the revelation of the method by showing people what they're doing. And this has a very significant purpose in producing events or at least reporting on those events so the general public sees this and sees this revelation of numbers and what it means and doesn't necessarily understand it but subconsciously numbers or symbols they have certain vibrations and that has an effect on the average person who pays attention to these ritualistic events right and there's there's also some uh political maneuvering going on as well it always seems like there's some sort of whether it's gun legislation or something of that nature happening when we have these mass shootings. Uh, I know like uh, last week uh, there was uh, this uh, new domestic terrorism bill that they were taking a look at in regard to Antifa and then also um, conspiracy theorists popped up too as being potential domestic uh, terrorists. So do you think there might be a possible relationship with that, Ryan? Yes, cer- certainly so. In fact, I printed out the the FBI memo from a, a field office in Arizona about how QAnon supporters or whatever those people consider themselves to be, right. mm-hmm. uh, how they are actually domestic terrorists. At the same time, while Congress and other people have been trying to get the FBI to look at Antifa, the FBI right. said, well, it's not really Antifa we're worried about. We're worried about these, uh, without saying it directly necessarily, we're worried about these Trump supporters. We're worried about people that believe in patterns and conspiracies. Those are the real domestic terrorists. And right after they put this report out publicly, Yahoo News got a copy of the memo. Then mm-hmm. you have you have these mass shootings where immediately, and even the FBI came back and said this was untrue, but the, the uh, mainstream media said, oh, the shooting in California at the festival, that was a, that was a hate crime in El, El Paso immediately. It's a hate crime, which they're now mm-hmm. treated as such. But the FBI came out and said, actually, the shooting in California had nothing to do with white supremacy. But see, the media never comes back, and they never right. recant the story. They never recant or, or reexamine what yeah. the initial accounts were. Yeah, I think yeah, the FBI, exactly. the FBI comment for the thing in Gilroy was that they had found literature to the far left and to the far right, and they were at this point unable to determine what his actual motive was. And you know, they they had a, they said that he wrote a manifesto. Uh, yeah. or they said he had a, I think he had a manifesto, and then the El Paso shooter had a manifesto, and the El Paso shooter's manifesto was like twenty three hundred pages. So there's the number twenty three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pretty which also popped up because I'm, I'm looking at an article here I'd pulled up from CNN, 
and they said officials from two local hospitals said they had received 23 people. And then they specifically said after that, 13 people were taken to University Medical Center of El Paso. And I mean, you read these articles and it's literally whether it's El Paso or the, the, the garlic festival or it's uh, the Ohio shooting, it's literally just littered with excuses to bring up the same numbers over and over and over again. And in fact, here it is, uh, the 2300 word, 2300 word, not page, word mm-hmm. document. So 2300, and it just over and over again, guys. Right. That, that reminds me of that movie uh, with Jim Carrey called 23. 23. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and he's breaking everything down by 23, and it's like, whoa. Well, yeah. 23 is significant. I mean, it's a number that you see again and again and again all over the place. Mm-hmm. It there, there are people that are haunted by the number 11, and there are people who are haunted by the number 23. Like, they look down at their clock, and it's like, you know, 1123 or it's they're using military time it's 2300 or Mm -hmm. 2323 i mean they're haunted by that number which i've never understood i'm I'm looking at another report here from the usa today it says according to the fbi the media got the garlic festival shooters white supremacy ideology wrong and in the article it starts out by saying as they reference the shooting uh three people were killed and 12 people were injured. So there's three and 12 as soon as the article starts over. And they always do this. I mean, I know it's, it's how news is written, but they always remind you of the shooting, the number of people that died, the number of people that were injured. And then they reference in some cases, other shootings where they give you the exact same numbers. I've noticed that too. So basically the article starts out and says three people died, 12 people injured. And this is similar to so-and-so that happened on this date where 33 people were killed. And it just seems like it, it's it's far too often that the numbers are brought up and that they break it down uh, in ways. Like he had a 33-round magazine and he lived 13 minutes away from from the from the shooting. And you know he 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 uh, he put $12 of gas into his car before he went down there. It's just it's it's really bizarre. And that I think is kind of what you mentioned, Ron, the part of the revelation of the method. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's another really good book by uh, Dave McGowan. Uh, called uh, Program to Kill, The Politics yeah. of Serial Murder. And he sort of gives the uh, the breakdown, right, of the uh, the profiling of these mass shooters. And, you know, some of them uh, are like on antidepressants or quite a few of them. And I've been uh, following uh, Ann Blake Tracy's uh, Facebook page who really delves into that, the whole SSRI she basically believes that uh, some of these SSRIs were used uh, during uh, MKUltra experiments. Oh, so, yeah. So what's your thought on that? Yeah, certainly. In fact, um, I wrote an appendix to one of my old books that's no longer in publication. Mm-hmm. And in that appendix, I, I called it Mass Shooter Numerology, Guns Don't Kill People, Drugs Kill People. Mm-hmm. And I looked at, I did a little uh, graph of all of the different shootings and, and the ones I analyzed, I looked at the dates, I looked at the people that died, people were injured, and then the reasons. And in almost right. every, every case, it's antidepressants or some form of drugs, whether it's Columbine, uh, mm-hmm. uh, James Holmes, who was found in his car, drugged out of his mind, totally just brain dead on drugs. I mean, you had Wade Michael Page, uh, who was himself uh, in the military in the uh, in psychological operations, 
Uh, he was an army, uh, uh, an army psychiatrist. Uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Nadel Hassan from Fort Hood. So he was yep. a psychiatrist. Uh, the Virginia Tech shooter Cho, I believe, was also on antidepressants. Yep, antidepressants. That's right, and on other pharmaceutical drugs. On top of that, mm -hmm. uh, I believe uh, Aaron Alexis was on antidepressants. He was on a trazodone. Mm -hmm. uh, he also had PTSD. And remember that one, guys. He was in Rhode Island. Uh, Aaron Alexis was in Rhode Island, and this is one of the most telling stories I think in relationship to what you said about the revelation of the method. This guy said, and there's a police report. I have a copy of it. He said people were following him and that they were beaming signals into his head. And he had to go from hotel to hotel to try to get away from him. Uh, an AP article said that Aaron Alexis, quote, complained to police in Rhode Island that people were talking to him through the walls and ceilings of his hotel room and mm -hmm. sending microwave <laughs> vibrations into his body to deprive him of sleep. And they said that they were trying to, pro or trying to program him, trying to get him to mm -hmm. do something. Uh, right. That was violent and harmful. And I mean, that's in a police report. And that was before the shooting. And then remember, CNN reported he had carved into the butt of his shotgun. This is my elf weapon, extremely low frequency waves, ELF. Right. And we know very well that the uh, technology exists because there's patents that will prove that voice to skull technology is here. And it's been here for quite a long time. Yeah, certainly. So, what do you think, Love? You know, it, there has to be something because it's not a random distribution. I mean, twenty years ago, you know, this would happen once in a once in a blue moon, mm -hmm. and I, I think you could kind of look, you know, whether it's a bell tower sniper or whatever, you, you could look at it and go, okay, that guy's disturbed. He's deranged whatever but now it's happening at such a frequency that you have there has to be a structure to it so <clears throat> they're using skull to voice technology to program people to do stuff i mean look mm -hmm. at sirhan sirhan right sirhan sirhan says he has no recollection of shooting kennedy he has right he doesn't remember it at all you know and and he has a long track record of of being you know, tangentially involved with mind control stuff, you know, so I'm not, I'm not surprised. And, and a lot of the, the people who are assassins, right. Whether you're talking about, you know, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald or um, Mark David Chapman, a lot of these guys are tangentially connected to ultra. Timothy so I'm, McVeigh. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Timothy McVeigh. Right. We were talking about that last night, Timothy mm -hmm. McVeigh. But the the thing about it is that there is that that makes sense because it's like Telephone. Have you guys ever seen Telephone? Oh yeah, that's one of my favorite movies by Charles Bronson, yeah, 1977. Yep. Yeah, in Telephone, you know, you've got all these deep cover uh, Soviet saboteurs, and they were brainwashed to believe they were who they represented themselves to be. But there was this book, and, and Donald Pleasance had stolen the book, and he was basically going down the list and, like, calling these people and activating them, and then they'd go blow something up or they'd go, you know, drive their car into something. And a lot of the facilities that they were attempting to attack at that time— Nuclear power plants. You know, 
yeah, but they, they had been decommissioned or they were no longer in use because these people had been, you know, uh, offline for so long. Well, and they blended in with but, American society, but they were all Soviet oh, yeah. agents. Like right. one, they were all KGB one person would be a housewife. One was an airline right. pilot. Uh, right. uh, another was a, a doctor. So yeah, they there, were one of them was a mechanic society. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's almost, it strikes me that, that the, that the rate at which we're seeing these, I mean, the high body count ones, the ones where you're not talking about like three people or, Two people. I mean, you're talking about like the guy in Vegas. What he he wounded like 300 people. You know, I mean, these. It's almost like they're picking up the telephone and calling them up like in telephone and saying, "Okay, you're activated. Go do it now." Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Especially when we have uh, we have a, a current political uh, situation. Let's call it where you have such extreme hatred and outright violence on. Well, arguably both sides of the political spectrum, but you have Antifa uh, and what they've planned to do to ICE facilities. That comes out. The FBI classifies, rather than Antifa as a domestic terrorist organization, they classify conspiracy theorists as possible terrorists. And mm-hmm. then you have the shootings. And it's so it's not only irresponsible for mainstream media to immediately say, oh, they're white supremacists and it was all about being, uh, you know, against uh, brown people coming to the United States or something like that, and how there's a connection also to the Christchurch shooting in New Zealand. Uh, But then you have presidential candidates that, like Beto uh, O'Rourke, who immediately comes out and says, this is because of Trump. Trump did this. Trump's responsible. The blood's on his hands. Like that, that, that rhetoric alone can create a situation where you can organically radicalize somebody who goes out as a result of this and goes and right. kills conservatives. I mean, that's as irresponsible as any rhetoric or hate speech that they think other people are responsible for in terms of creating these situations. And it goes both ways. Well, the, oh, yeah. the other thing that I've noticed, the other thing that I've noticed is that these, these events tend to pop up when there's instability in the world that, you know, you've got Iran now capturing another ship and then you've got North Korea firing off intermediate range ballistic missiles as a test. And, you know, people get agitated. Oh, look, then there's a mass shooting. So mm-hmm. I've also also noticed that, 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 you know, we have these instabilities, you know, there are massive riots in Hong Kong and, you know, these kinds of events. And then suddenly, oh, there's, a mass, there's three mass shootings, you know, in a very short amount of time. So I've, I've always believed that, that, I've always believed two things. One is that there's some sort of ritualistic model at work here. That's what I think really the end game is, mm-hmm. is that these these events, because of the numbers involved, are somehow ritualistic in nature. But yeah. I've also believed that that they are used for like sleight of hand, misdirection, where you've got these events that are are potentially politically unappetizing like the North Korea situation and the China situation and others. So it's a diversion sort of? of, Yeah, it's like a diversion. Mm -hmm. Well, look at at the way in which you think about Sirhan Sirhan, for example, and uh, I just looked Sirhan Sirhan up real quick because I remember reading a news story about his release a couple of years ago, and there there were numerous references to uh, the number 13. It was all over the article for different reasons. Uh, And I remember... uh, that there were supposedly 13 shots that were fired uh, that that evening. 
So 13 shots ported, right? And then, uh, you know, I was was just scrolling through some of the other stuff that I had written down years ago. Uh, There was a shooting at the L.A. airport, uh, a seemingly random, not significant shooting, but the guy that opened fire, Paul Ciencia, he, uh, he injured one person, I believe it was a TSA worker, and he supposedly wrote this, this angry rant about the TSA, about fiat currency. He didn't like the Federal Reserve, and he wrote about the New World Order, and it happened to take place in the third airport terminal, and they specifically said for whatever reason, because this guy was 23 years old, that the one person who was injured had to wait exactly 33 minutes for medical attention. So you literally had 23 or 32, 33, and then the number three all in the same shooting, and only one person was injured, and somehow all these numbers work, their, work themselves into, into that event. Way, 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 way beyond just coincidental when you see the long list of, of patterns consecutively popping up. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, also, real, real quick... Uh, the, the actually the other night, Ron, you you gave me a call. Uh, you and Clyde Lewis gave me a call. And we were talking about the situation in Puerto Rico, uh, mm-hmm. and how uh, Puerto Rico is designated to be the 51st state. And right. we talked we talked about how that is parallel to the storming of Area 51 because you have social media that has been used to create a situation in numerous countries where. Governments are overthrown. You have uh, the Arab Spring, the Yellow Vest protests. Uh, as Olaf me- mentioned, you have the Hong Kong protests. Uh, social right. media is instrumental in helping to organize tens of thousands of people to get together and to do that or to do the, the gun marches or climate mm-hmm. marches around the world. And it's all really, really coming from the same place. In some cases, it's the same groups organizing it. Uh, and so you have the, the the Puerto Rico, two million people, I think, out of the three point two million on that island marched, were in the streets and they got the they got the governor to step down. It's the same thing, Area fifty one, about two million people signed up to go to Area fifty one. So you basically have social media used as a hub by which to organize a hive mind group think collective. And I think that through social media creating that kind of uh or being a platform to organize that kind of hive mind mind control, that is also another revealing of the method, and it's mm-hmm. really, really yeah. obvious. And it's oh, right. Yes, social media is like paramount for the social engineering program, and with all these different things kind of going on throughout the world, you can see how the Hegelian dialectic is starting to play out too. Wouldn't you agree? I certainly would agree with that, absolutely. And it's becoming, uh, you can say playing out, it is becoming more and more naked every day. And it's yeah. it's like it, it, with these shootings, you know, maybe it's just my, my perspective and, and looking at them over the years and becoming more informed about what's happening. But it seems like w- with anything politically, at least in the United States now, there's no hiding, there's no concealing uh, about what the agenda is, about a small number of people uh, that basically want to see the fundamental fabric of, of nature, of culture, of society totally torn apart and disposed of. And the people just outright say, yeah, we'd like to kill babies after they're born, uh, a year after they're born. Yeah, if you don't like your kid after a year, you can kill them. Just the open rituali- ritualizing yeah. and legalizing of things like child sacrifice and cannibalism 
and blood drinking with like Peter Thiel. And it's just nonstop. And it, I think it's so overwhelming. The average person just says, this is too much. I don't want anything to do with this. I just want mm-hmm. to just I want to be in my house and I want to just be with my family. I don't want to pay attention to this. It's really, really negative. Right. Because, uh, you know, a lot of people are being desensitized and with all that sort of the uh, divide and conquer type of things that are going on, I think people are just really fed up or, you know, and they don't want to do anything or they're just very extreme with their emotions, you know. So you you see all these uh, different uh, ranges of emotions that people are exhibiting today. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a crazy world right now we live in. Yeah. And you know, it used to be, it used to be that that you had the one station mm -hmm. like here, it's channel two. You had the the blood death and mayhem station, you know, channel two was always great for, well, there was a drive-by shooting and they'll have the helicopter over the car chase. And, you know, you, you tune in for channel two for blood and guts and mayhem. Right. And all the other channels, they'd be like, yeah, there was a there was a high speed pursuit, and they caught the guy, and then on to, you know, to fuzzy puppies. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, no matter what you watch, no matter what channel it is, it's like this shit, twenty four seven now. Yeah, and no. it's like the, the level of insanity and and the level of of anarchy, it's it's on every channel. It's it's which so is numbing. Because people like, like you, Olaf, like you, Ron, like myself and, and many others, I'm, I'm sure listening, we we might pay attention in an objective way in the sense that we don't jump to conclusions. We just look at information as it, as it comes out. But uh, now with the revealing of things like QAnon and uh, the actual radicalization of certain people uh, who believe in like a, a secretive government cabal versus an alliance, that kind of a thing. That is right. now becoming the opposite of I don't care what's going on, and it's becoming far to the opposite side of people like us that are in the middle of just saying, hey, we'd like to take another look at this. So rather than people outright denying that there's anything going on, now you have a radicalization of what we do where rather than looking at it and saying, hey, why are these numbers coming up again and again, you have people immediately saying, oh, my God, 13 people died. We knew the Illuminati was involved. It's an Illuminati demonic satanic ritual. We have to right. get the children and save them from the pedophiles. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? But you see that all the time. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's, that's another form of mind control. It's another way to, to subvert and to divert people's attention away from what we're doing tonight here. Right. I, a, lot of, a lot of cross-contamination going on and and. Unfortunately, there's just a lot of people that don't have filters and they'll pretty much believe everything they hear, you know, on both well, on both extremes. Well, you look at something like QAnon, right? That since QAnon started, I've always believed that it, it's some sort of a, a psyop bot mm-hmm. because what it does yeah. is it, it serves to it serves to polarize. And it's like you've got the people on the right who believe it and they believe that there's this this deep state cabal that that is running the show and and it's all tied to the new world order and the illuminati on the left you know it, it produces a situation where you've got a bunch of people who who don't believe it but they they believe that they're afraid because they see these people believing it 
and they think that it's a psyop that it, that is controlling these people to do bad things, and and they think that it's tied to the loom, the Illuminati and the New World Order and a deep state cabal. So the end result is the same on both sides. They believe it's the New World Order Illuminati cabal, but it's the the left interpretation, the right interpretation, when 99% of everybody is in the middle somewhere. But it, it serves to radicalize both ends of it, both ends of the spectrum. And it, there is a scenario out there where you can go so far to the right, you end up on the left, and you can end up in, or you can be on the left, but you're so far to the left, you end up on the right. And it's it, it just serves to polarize. And since it's come out, you know, a lot of its prognostications are not true. But mm-hmm. just like the John Teeter thing, you know, people find little nuggets in there and it's like, well, you see, that's true. The rest of it must be true. It just hasn't happened yet. Or there's an excuse or whatever. And it, it just, it continues to radicalize both ends to be pissed off at each other. And 99% of us are in the middle and they just crunch us mm-hmm. because, you know, in any, in any political environment, right? Only 10% of the population is actually extremely active. The other 90% are kind of passive that it's like, gosh, you know, I think, I think locking kids up in cages is wrong. Well, I'm going to vote that dude out, you know, but I'm not going to go into the streets and protest for it. It's the 10% that will go in the streets and protest. Mm-hmm. And there are people on the right and people on the left who think that, that that whole thing is bad, but you know, there are people on the, on the right that will respond to the people on the left and then they fight. And then that creates instability and fear. And that fear is another method of control. Right. It's, you know, East Asia and Eurasia is a war with Oceania. Now, Oceania and Eurasia are at war with East Asia. I mean, it's it's a never ending cycle of of three. You know, you've got three elements that are constantly fighting each other. You've got two elements that are constantly at odds and everybody gets afraid. Yep. So, yes, yeah, something else I, I, I noticed earlier about these shootings. I, I read a report about the California shooting and a report about the Ohio shooting. And uh, I noticed right. this. This is really interesting, guys. Check this out. Gilroy Police Chief Scott Smithy, in a news conference earlier this week, said that three officers confronted the shooter less than a minute after he began the attack and killed him. And then here's another article about the Ohio shooting today. The suspected shooter was shot and killed by responding officers in less than a minute after opening fire in the bustling or- uh, Oregon district of Daytona, Ohio. Uh, or Dayton, Dayton, Ohio, rather. So mm-hmm. in both cases, you have officers responding in less than 60 seconds. That that struck me as weird because it also uh, acts to destroy the argument that the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun because they're saying, hey, look, officers responded in 60 seconds, so citizens don't need guns. The police right. are right there. Mm-hmm. Well, and then it turns out that, that the, the police chief had to go back because when they did the autopsy of the guy in Gilroy, that apparently they had, he had, he had, which is not uncommon in these kinds of scenarios. He had sustained a number of, of probably fatal wounds, but he had enough, apparently he had enough energy left to kill himself. So the, the actual end result was that he had killed himself. So he wasn't killed by the police. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. But I actually, I heard a story from somebody a long time ago where, there was a guy who had robbed a grocery store and he had, he had taken a number of hostages. And when he, 
Well, they finally got the hostages out, and he decided that he was going to have a firefight now. When he came out and, and traded fire with the police, that he had sustained something like like 15 critical wounds that should have killed him, but he kept going because he was on pure adrenaline. So, you know, those kinds of situations are, are never what they seem. Yeah. We live in a wacky but world. It's, I don't know, it just, you know, the thing, the thing to me that I keep going back to is that with a lot of it, at least the, the larger body count ones, I forget which holiday it was, but the, the one in Vegas lined up to something. I forget if it was Sawan or I think it was Sawan. But yeah, they, yeah, but they, they tend to line up to Beltane and Sawan and, and these Lithia and these Litha and these, these other holidays where there is some sort of element historically of, of blood sacrifice. And I just, I can't get away from that. But every, every time I hear about one of these, the first thing I do is I tend to go and look up the holidays and go, okay, what does this one line up to? Right. Is it within it, that the parameters or the time frame of certain? Yeah. There's holidays. like a window. Yeah. All these, all these occultish holidays have like a window of activity mm. where it's most powerful if you do it on a specific day, but that day tends to move because mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's a lunar solar, you know, combination here. So the, the date, the date of like Litha or the date of, of, uh, of uh, Beltane, it will move. But, mm -hmm. you know, obviously Samhain is, is fixed, but there's usually like a window of like seven days around that when things take place. And if you look at those windows of seven days, around these various, you know, the, the solstices and these other things, you tend to find a lot of this kind of thing happening in these seven-day windows. Yeah, it's just like every but year, the uh, the Ides of March, and, and something almost always takes right. place around mid-March. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. every For sure. Year. But the one with the fire in particular, my theory was, is that the fires were used as like a symbolic cleansing, and then going into the actual blood sacrifice, which was the, the Las Vegas shooter. Exactly. It's, it's almost, yeah, it's almost gotten to a point now where at least with some of these, where they fall within those windows, it, it's kind of like you've got some really group of really bad people out there that, that are, are using a blood sacrifice to increase the, the potency of whatever they're doing. But it, it's almost like instead of having to actually like go get somebody and, you know, and do them in as part of this, they, they have somehow found a way to use these traumatic events to fulfill that requirement. And it's, it almost makes sense, right? Because if you think of it on a psychic level, that when you, when you have something like what happened over the last two days, right? You've got these two different shootings over the last two days. The amount of emotional torment that it causes most of the people in the United States. I mean, I'm going to go out there on a limb and say, in general, probably everybody that you know and everybody that I know and everybody they know, you know, there's some sadness there. It's like, well, gosh, you know, that's that's awful. I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, that that produces a psychic resonance. And somehow I think they're they're tapping into that the grief and the sadness and the pain of that psychic resonance to exacerbate whatever they're doing. That's uh -huh. why I do believe that these are for a reason. Yeah, certainly so. And I don't know if this has any meaning at all, but uh, the hometown of the uh, the shooter, I believe in uh, the El Paso, yeah, the El Paso shooter, 
they mentioned that his hometown had uh, something like a uh, hundred thousand residents, and they mentioned that it was twenty miles north of Dallas, Texas. And I was just reading articles earlier, and I noticed the number one hundred thousand come up again because for whatever reason, they thought that it was necessary to include in the California shooting uh, that the people that were killed there at the festival uh, were, wow. were participating in a festival that every year draws about 100,000 people. So that number came up multiple times where they referenced the number of people of a city or the number of people that attended the event, and the numbers are exactly the same in two different cases. There's, there's obvious... You know, Go ahead, Olaf. Number, yeah. Well, I was going to say... <clears throat> that it, you know, it. This is what we're talking about tonight. This, this is one of the, the kind of pains of, of quote unquote conspiracy theory, is that you know we, Ron and I have, have spoken about this before. That you know there's an occupational risk, of being interested in this kind of stuff, but at the same time there's like a frustration that exists, that you can see all these events taking place and you can see these numbers coming up again and again and again and again. Mm -hmm. You can see that there's some sort of a pattern, but deriving what the pattern means and deriving what it's meant to do, and it's always obfuscated. So you can never, you can never, it's the 80-20 rule. You've got 80% of it right there in front of you and you can see mm -hmm. it all. Because in general things, the best place to hide it, you know, is as they say in the military, under the flagpole that right. you can hide in plain sight. Mm -hmm. So you've got all this stuff happening. You can see the numbers. You can see the patterns. You can see the people and, and how they're tied to these people and that people. But you can never figure out what the point of it all was. Because there's a point. I mean, everything that humans do, there's a point. Right. There's always a point. Nobody ever does anything just to do it. There's always an objective. But mm -hmm. you can't see it. It's it's obscured. Right. So we can surmise and speculate based on past history of certain patterns and trends. And so, Ryan, I think you do a really excellent job in 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 doing that and looking at things sort of, uh, yeah. you know, just beyond what everybody else sees. But look at the uh, esoteric, the deeper aspects of of what's going on in the world today. Yeah, and you know that uh, we can look at these types of patterns, and uh, we're doing that with our very organic human brains and our uh, consciousness. And mm -hmm. then you have, on another level, people that employ the use of AI and computers, uh, like at Purdue University, right. and, and I'm sure it goes way beyond that, that stuff we don't know about, where they track out patterns, whether it's buying habits or it's uh, mm -hmm. social media postings and they can track everything that you like and do. They can begin to create a profile on you, which has already been done on probably everybody, and uh, then sure. use that as a method by which to track what you're going to do before you do it and then nudge you in certain directions. So if we can find patterns and we're just looking at information as it comes out, there are people, whether at a university level or at a corporate level, that are using supercomputers and AI to try to do the same thing, but they're trying to instigate it by determining patterns and then tweaking those patterns by using certain stimuli, and then that can usher society in a certain direction that a certain group of people would like society to move in. And that can be done really artificially, and that can be done through events like this, whether it's a shooting, a bombing, a stabbing, whatever it might be, in order to 
shatter the paradigm and to create an, a, a situation like you mentioned earlier, Ron. It is a very uh, Hegelian dialect, a very, uh, very powerful form of problem, reaction, solution, and they offer the solution sometimes before there's even a problem. And if people mm -hmm. don't react, then, oh, well, okay, I guess we won't have the legislation. And then bunch of people die. Oh, good thing we have the legislation. Let's go ahead and pass that real quick, <laughs> which is kind of kind of like the uh, you guys remember after the Jesse Smollett incident, this guy's walking around in like negative 20 degree weather at two o'clock in the morning. And he's, he's attacked right. by these these evil Trump supporters. And I thought it was so funny. At, after that happened, there were um, there were these reports in like mainstream political uh, publications about an anti lynching bill. That was passed by Kamala, it was Kamala Harris and Cory Brooker, and they're big time friends with Jesse Smollett. And that was about a lynching. And right after the, the, the event, now they passed this bill that had really no relevance in reality, but they used it to fast track other legislation and they related it to the Jesse Smollett event. It's the same with guns. And we see that already after these events. And that 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 is a true not asking questions exploiting an event like that for political purposes of any degree, that is true exploitation. Like when they bring kids on stage, Obama did to sign gun control legislation and then say, hey, if you talk about this event, you're exploiting kids for you know hits on YouTube for your YouTube channel. It's like, no, or maybe, but taking kids on stage and using them as a defensive shield against political criticism, that's exploitation in any context. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, you know, you were you were talking about AI. I actually heard once a very uh, a very good example of how it's used in the corporate world. Uh, there was a guy, <clears throat> I forget where, but he he shopped at Target and he had signed up for, you know, for emails to give him discounts. And one day, <clears throat> he got a box from Target. And inside the box was a bunch of stuff, you know, it's like welcoming your new, you know, we know you're, you're expecting. So here's a bunch of, you know, diapers and other crap to, to kind of get you to buy stuff. Right. You know, here's huggies and, and here's a different kind of diaper and, you know, see which one you like. And, you know, here's a bunch of coupons and whatever. And this guy was incensed, you know, he was in his late fifties. I think his wife, was this about the same age and the guy calls up target and he says, you know, you guys obviously sent me this by mistake. Can you please not do this? Right. And I don't need your crap and don't send it to me. And the person at target customer service was like, well, according to our, our models, your buying habits are consistent with somebody who is expecting a child to have a baby. And he said, mm -hmm. well, I'm, you know, we're, I'm fixed. I can't have kids, any more kids. <laughs> I have a kid. I don't want any more. I fixed myself. So I'm not going to, you know, my, <clears throat> my wife can't, you know, I don't know what kind of your model's broken. And so target, no, 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 you, your, your buying habits indicate that, that somebody in your household is pregnant. And he's like, that's insane. There's nobody here that's pregnant. You know, I don't understand, whatever. It turns out that he, he goes back and talks to his wife. He's like, yeah, you know, the customer service people said that our buying habits are consistent with somebody who's going to have a baby. Well, you're obviously not pregnant. I'm not going to make you pregnant. I don't know what the deal is. And then his, his daughter comes in and she's, I think, you know, young, like 20, 
she's like, actually, I didn't want to tell you because she lived with them. I didn't want to tell you, but I'm pregnant. And she had been using the Target red card to get a discount on stuff. And she was going to Target and buying things. And the stuff that she bought tripped their, their AI system and it was bound to his card. So the Target assumed that it was him and his wife that were pregnant, but it turned out that it was his daughter. So he actually found out that his daughter was pregnant because Target had analyzed the buying habits of the red card that was being used and determined that somebody was pregnant. And then that led to his daughter telling him that he was pregnant. So this stuff is out there and it does work. Yeah. (laughs) And pretty frightening, but it's there. Some companies like Amazon, they, they said like maybe four or five years ago, they said, yeah, we, we can send you packages before you order them based on your buying habits, based on patterns. And furthermore, based on your camera, your computer, we can watch your eyes. They do this with Xbox and PlayStation too. They watch your eyes. And if your pupils dilate uh, to a certain degree, I don't understand the technicalities, but if your pupils dilate, they know that you're looking at a certain ad where on the screen and they'll send you coupons or a pizza or you know discounts off of that soda or you'll get uh, advertisements right. that pop up on your computer for uh, for whatever it is that you're looking at and that's just really basic basic forms of uh, advertising today using algorithms and using cameras and watching you know your biometrics essentially but on another level like you're talking about uh, and beyond that with the pattern recognition you could feasibly map out what a person feels and thinks and manipulate them on a very personal level far beyond anything that they would even comprehend as, as uh, their own awareness in the sense. And what I mean by that is in the sense that they don't even know that they're being manipulated. They think that they're making their own decisions and it's not that you're using drugs right. to control them or it's not some weird mind. No, you're control. using their own behavior. You're using their own behavior. Exactly. And I think that's being done with, with, most people that interact with social media today. Mm-hmm. Well, not just that. I'm wondering if, if these, because obviously I have stated that I believe that these are these things, at least on a large scale, the, the very big ones, where you're talking about 20, 30, 40, 50, 300 people being hurt in one of these events. I think those are tied to something specific where they're using the mental anguish that we all feel you know, the psychic reverberations to channel that into some sort of summoning or whatever the hell they're doing. But on a smaller scale, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if if somebody above, you know, we blame people to a certain level, but above there are people above that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they didn't have something that was actually running calculations to say, okay, if we can trigger an event at this day and this time in this location, that it'll shift societal thinking, like you were talking about, shift it this direction or shift it that direction, or, you know, computationally, we can figure out that that will increase the number of people that want gun control, or that'll decrease the number of people who want gun control, and they create a model and they're just playing it out. You know what? Think about it logically. Think about it logically for a minute, right? If I'm the quote-unquote Illuminati, right, and I want to take over the Earth, I don't have to take it over. I've, I've already done that. I would argue to you that they've been running the show for th- thousands of years. I don't think this is anything new. 
But at the end of the day, when you're, and it would also explain the acceleration, at some point you're going to have to actually flick the switch and go, okay, we're really going to start to be, become active now and not take the passive role in, the, in societal manipulation that we were before. You know, you, you probably want gun control. You, you know, you probably want fear. You know, these things that are byproducts of these kinds of events, you probably want that. And, you know, so you're going to create these scenarios where it's like, okay, well, we did this one. Well, we didn't get enough gun control. We do this one. We're going to, you know, we're going to get more. So I'm sure that somewhere up at the top they're doing that. Yeah. You ever seen the show Fringe? F-R-I-N-G-E? Yeah. Um, Remember those, uh, they were kind of like men in black, the agents that would uh, monitor yeah. events when they happened. Yeah. Remember the, the episode where, if I'm remembering this correctly, it's been years since I've seen it. He, the guy takes like a, um, they're, they're monitoring this guy and this guy takes like a pen, <clears throat> like a pen. And he knows if he places the pen at a certain place on a mailbox, right? he calculated the chain reaction of events that would transpire from placing that pen right there. I don't know if you remember exactly. that, so, but that's, I think, what you're talking about. Well, you know, something actually, oddly, there was another show that I think really demonstrated this quite well in a more modern kind of approach, and it's it's steeped in a, a whole lot of weirdness. There was a show called Rubicon, and basically these guys, they were a private company that did analysis for the CIA or for the, the alphabet agencies. And they would take input, you know, news articles or whatever, and they would write analysis of the impact of that on this or the impact of that on that. I mean, it's, it, it's something that's actually done. And at the end of the first season, well, th- there's a whole lot of things going on in the show, but, but effectively what they were doing is that they were these analysis and that and analyses that they were doing were being used by people upstream to create policy, right? So they, they would determine the probability of something happened based on these news articles, blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the first season, there's a table. And I want to say there were 13 guys at the table, but there, there was a table and there basically they were all industrialists that, that had all been friends since, they were in school and they all knew each other and they were actually using those analyses. They were passing them upstream, which is what they were paid to do, but they were taking them and they were actually making stock purchases and selling companies and getting into certain lines of business based on the, the analytics that were coming out of these analyst groups. Now that's something that is actually done. The odd thing about that show is that it actually had good ratings, but it was canceled after the first season. Mm. And the guy who the guy who was the showrunner, he um, he actually went on to to be the showrunner for Homeland. And his dad had been a field operations guy in the CIA. And not not long after he got into home doing Homeland, he uh, he died of like a heart attack. But nobody could understand why that show was canceled. It had good reviews. It had good ratings. And they just pulled it, and you can't watch it on Amazon. You can't buy it. It, like, went into a hole. Mm-hmm. I can only watch one episode on Amazon 
because for like two months it was available on Amazon before they pulled it. And I paid for one episode and I can still watch that episode because I paid for it, which is the first episode. Right. But it's unavailable and it will never be available again. Yeah. It's interesting how a lot of these TV series in the past that were really good and had high ratings all of a sudden, uh, you know, canceled their season and, uh, yeah, oh, it yeah. makes you kind of wonder. It does. Yeah. Fringe was actually canceled for a similar reason. I, I think the, I was in film school at the time and that was one of the shows I watched and I read an article about how that, how it was, it was too complicated scientifically and technically for the average person to understand. So they had to, they had to cancel it. Plus some episodes to too controversial that the mm -hmm. public uh, isn't ready for. That was like one of the headlines or something like that. But I, I also think that the shows like, like Fringe on at some level or Rubicon at some level, mm -hmm. you know, they also are, are disclosing the method. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Because, yeah, because like Rubic Rubicon in particular, you know, you could see a scenario, you know, three days with a condor. I mean, it's the same kind of deal. You can see in these films or in these media um, interpretations of how things work, you can see a scenario where you've got a bunch of really smart people locked in a room going through news articles and, and making assumptions and making analysis based on how the article is written, what it's written about, blah, 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 and how it affects society at large. I mean, you could, they're probably doing it right now. Yeah, and you I know what? I would be surprised. I know that we have to wrap it up, but if, if you guys haven't seen it yet, I, I'd guess that you have. The Black Mirror episode with Miley Cyrus. I just did a huge show on that called Confessions of a Mind-Controlled Pop Star. And that episode uh, is basically about a mind-controlled pop star with an element of artificial intelligence and robotics. And I read an article uh, with an interview conducted by uh, the magazine Elle uh, with Miley Cyrus. And she said when she was given the script for it, she read it and they said, are you interested? And she said, well, it's not just that I'm interested. She's like, nobody else could play this part because you literally took my life story and put it into a television show. And it was about a girl who was oh, wow. controlled by handlers who had mm -hmm. drugged her and used her as a mind controlled puppet in the, as an entertainer. And when she finally broke free from uh, the cage, she uses the word cage in one of her songs she breaks free from the cage that they kept her in. They do uh, a massive overdose of drugs in her food and send her to the hospital, put her in a coma, and then they, they hook her up to a computer and start stealing her thoughts, which are basically her songs. So they drain her life and then put that into a robot, into a hologram. And it's interesting because in that show, uh, they said that she went to the hospital because of an allergic reaction. And in real life, that actually happened to Miley Cyrus she went to the hospital because of a supposed allergic reaction. And when Miley Cyrus was interviewed about it, she didn't say, hey, this was just like a metaphor. This is kind of like a, a tongue-in-cheek approach. She said, no, what happened in this episode is basically what happened to me in the music industry. And she never wow. refuted any of the stuff in that episode. I thought that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Man, we could go on and on with all kinds of stuff. It's really mind-boggling. It is, it is mind-boggling. But you know, the reason that it's interesting is that it's, you know, the revelation of the method, right? I mean, mm -hmm. this is a, this is a situation where, you know, you have a catastrophic, a series of catastrophic events, 
but the way that they're timed between each other, the the numbers involved, it just seemed too, the pattern was too in your face. Mm-hmm. So it just, it is something that we had to discuss. I mean, right, and, be, and not, beyond coincidence, you know. So Way beyond coincidence. So, 13 yeah, hours it, apart. Yeah, and, and there's there's different levels of it too because things are compartmentalized and I, so I think how it affects our minds, uh, it affects us on a conscious level, a subconscious right. level, and then also on an unconscious level. So sure. a, as does like neuro-linguistic programming. And uh, so, I mean, that, that's done in a, a very multifaceted manner, you know, to, to affect our way of thinking. But yes. Ryan, we really, we really appreciate you being yeah. on the show tonight. Uh, we've covered a lot yeah. of uh, a lot, lot of, of topics, and uh, we went all over the place, but it was good stuff. Yeah, I'm so, stuff. I'm so used to you calling me for ground zero. I thought you were calling me to plan a show for this week, and I was very happy to be invited on the show tonight, guys. It was very fun. <laughs> hey, well, thank you nice. for coming. It, it really was great. Our Hi, fellow Ron. French. Well, <clears throat> right here on the Fringe well, I, FM. Now, uh, why don't you tell people how to get a hold of you and how to read your stuff and how to buy your books? Yeah, certainly, Olaf. So my show airs five nights a week, Monday through Friday, after Lighting the Void on the Fringe FM. My website is www.thesecretteachings.info. And on my website, you can find my massive show archive where you can download and stream every episode. And my books are also there as well. I have three that are published. One is called Occult Arcana, where I would I would say I basically provide an outline of what we talked about tonight without mm-hmm. any without any timeline. It's it's just raw information on the occult. Uh, and then I have another book called The Technological Elixir, which is about black goo, AI, mind control, and that type of subject matter. So that's all on the website at thesecretteachings.info. And my show every night is about this kind of subject matter that we discussed on the Paranoia podcast this evening. Excellent. All right. Well, that was a a very interesting episode, I think. I hope a lot of people listen to it. I mean, obviously, you know, I speak for paranoia when I say that, you know, these things are awful and, and our hearts go out to the people who are involved. And it's just it's disgusting and, and terrible. And I'm, I'm very sad that it happened and and it's just awful but when these things happen you know you got to talk about it you got to try to figure it out to try to prevent it from happening again so with that ron take good care and keep the faith all right everybody truly tonight be excellent to each other and uh, we'll have another podcast soon thanks Thank you for listening to Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. Sponsored by Paranoia Magazine. Read it now. Paranoiamagazine.com Intro theme, The Guide, was composed by Scott Moon. ScottMoon.net Outro theme, Fighting Trousers, is by Professor Elemental. ProfessorElemental.com Voiceover written and performed by Mr. Lobo, host of Cinema Insomnia. 
to watch new episodes on OSI 74. Visit us at osi74.com. We are resuming control for now.